Hello, First Presbyterian Church. This is Pastor Greg, and uh, doing the Monday check-in, Damon is taking some well-deserved and well-earned vacation this week, and he left me in charge of doing the Monday check-in, if you can imagine that. So I'm very excited to be here, and I'm even more excited to have a special guest with me today. Sarah? Hi, I'm Sarah Babcock. Um, I'm in Grand Island physically right now. But I'm from Hastings, Nebraska, and this past year I've been a young adult volunteer um, with the Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C. And uh, starting in the fall, you're doing what, Sarah? Oh, and in the fall, I'll be a Master's of Divinity student um, on the path to ordination, hopefully, at Louisville Theological Presbyterian Seminary. Which is awesome. So we're very excited for Sarah to join us to bring some new insights and fresh perspectives. And uh, Sarah's actually going to be preaching on Sunday. And Damon is out. And uh, I talk with Sarah. And uh, I'm excited to hear what she has to say about the text. And so we will uh, get into that. But first, we will do a few quick announcements for you. Uh, just to bring you up to speed on what's happening in the life of the church. So the first announcement I have for you is our Mother's Day uh, special offering. Every year, the Presbyterian women pick a local ministry partner uh, to receive a special offering. And then for the entire month of May, we collect an additional offering for that ministry partner. And it turns out this year it's Healthy Beginnings, which is a ministry of uh, Mary Lanning Healthcare. And it walks with families that are at risk, either due to poverty or abuse uh, or drug abuse issues from prenatal care all the way until their oldest child turns three. And so it works with these families to ensure that they have the support that they need in order to raise healthy children. So uh, if you would like to give to this, we invite you to either mail in a check to the church, uh, make it out to Presbyterian Women and put Mother's Day offering or uh, Healthy Beginnings in the memo line. We also have a new tithe drop box at the church where you can drop these, uh, these special offerings off as well as your normal monthly offering check. You'll find that uh, attached to one of the brick columns under the portico in the entrance to our sanctuary. So uh, that's one announcement. The other announcement uh, is I'm excited to preview our Pentecost service. We're going to do a Holy Spirit parade. It's going to be awesome. Pentecost is what we celebrate as the birth of the church. It's when the Holy Spirit descended and, uh, and sort of lit a fire under the disciples to start the church. And so what we're going to invite you to do if you want to is meet in the parking lot by about 10.20 a.m. And starting when our service begins at 10.30, you'll tune your radio into 1550 KICS. And we're going to have a parade route map. And you're going to follow the route map. And we're going to drive by the houses of our homebound members all through the city of Hastings. The parade will be led by two hot rods that are painted up with flames. Flames, of course, are the traditional uh, symbol of the Holy Spirit. And we're inviting all our church members to also either uh, put flames or doves, which is the other symbol of the Holy Spirit, make them out of construction paper and tape them to the outside of your car because we're going to have a Holy Spirit parade making its way through Hastings over the course of our whole service on Sunday, May 30th. So that's not this Sunday. This Sunday, Sarah's preaching for us. Next Sunday... Uh, the Sunday after that, May 30th, will be our Holy Spirit Parade as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. So those are the two announcements I have for you. Uh, excited to share both of those things with you and excited to jump into this Bible study with Sarah. Would you mind opening us with a word of prayer? Sure. Gracious and loving God, thank you for the gift of this day and for technology that allows us to stay in touch at a time when physical gatherings maybe aren't such a great idea. 
blessed this week for everyone involved. We ask that you think about those of us who are concerned about our health and the health of our families and our communities. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, Sarah and I, Sarah's decided to preach on the lectionary text, which is from the book of Acts at the very first chapter. And uh, so she's going to read the text to you and then we'll have a conversation about it. Yeah. So this is Acts um, chapter one, verses one through 14. In the first book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up towards the heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. And here ends the reading. Yeah. So, Sarah. Yes. What is it about this reading that you thought, hey, I could preach that? Um, yeah, well, I love Acts in general. Um, I think it's a very cinematic book. Uh, you, you, there's lots of really interesting images that I feel that I can really connect to. Things like Jesus going up in a cloud and like stuff that I just, I've always been able to imagine in a way that some other texts don't feel as accessible at first glance. Um, so I'm saying I think it's easier, and that's why I want to do it. That's um, awesome. Yeah, and the you know the, the full title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, and basically what we have is a shift from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, but particularly Jesus' ministry while he walked on earth. And then in Acts, we have this one passage that you just read, and it's the only one that Jesus appears in, uh, and then he disappears. He ascends into heaven. And then the rest of the book is about the apostles. It's about the early church and the start of the early church. And so uh, I like, too, that we can sort of trace the, the lineage of the early church, but also I think it gives us ideas. Uh, it gives us ideas about what it means to be the church. Uh, the church was sort of feeling its way through this very early beginning when things were in chaos and they didn't know what was going on. And, and I think that relates a little bit to our context over the last two or three months. 
where we're sort of feeling our way through, like, what does it mean to be a church in an age when we can't meet physically together and share fellowship? And, and so um, I've been drawing a lot of inspiration from Acts over this last two months. And uh, both Damon and I have preached a few sermons from the book of Acts uh, that have landed in the lectionary cycle. So yeah, so I, I'm excited. And this particular one I'm excited about. One of my fun things that I like to do, uh, like when I'm meeting with a confirmation class or even new members class, I'll, I'll do a pop quiz. So we'll follow up with, uh, with Damon's sermon on Sunday where he gave us a pop quiz about truth in the Gospel of John. But pop quiz, you were three for three. Yeah. Well played, Sarah. Well played. Um, but I, I say pop quiz, what were Jesus' last words on earth? And a lot of people uh, will go to the last seven words Jesus spoke before he died on the cross, thinking those were his last words on earth. Uh, but we know that's not the case uh, because Jesus did die on the cross and, and then uh, was raised from the dead and walked the earth for 40 days. And he said a lot of things in that meantime. And Acts records what were his last words right before his ascension. Uh, Matthew doesn't even have an ascension story. So Matthew closes with the Great Commission right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. And then the last line of that, which is my favorite line, and remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, right? And so sometimes people point to that as Jesus' last words, but we don't get the ascension story in the gospel of Matthew, but we do have another commission that Jesus gives to the disciples here in Acts. And so I end my pop quiz with actually, let's turn to Acts 1. And what does Jesus say? What are his very, very last words? And it is, it's another commission to his disciples, right? And we read it right there, that the Holy Spirit will, will come upon you and you will be my witnesses to Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then he ascends into heaven. Um, and so the question is, what does it mean to be witnesses to Jesus? That's a, that's a great question. Um, my, interestingly, my question from this passage, like just where I started with, is where are we looking? And I think that those are very similar. Yes. Um, uh, you know, because they're all still, they're, they're kind of caught in the past in this metaphor a little bit. You know, they're still looking up and it takes these two mysterious dudes in white coming up to say, what are you doing? What's a, yep. uh, um, so yeah, those two questions, you know, how do we witness and where are we looking um, is something I've been thinking a lot about this year specifically. Um, with Yav, so I work for um, uh, an ELCA Lutheran church in DC as my kind of service, as my year of service. Um, but um, just the fact that DC is so huge and there are so many churches and kinds of churches that I've got, I've been exposed to a lot of different ways that people are trying to answer those questions. Um, and I think that's been something I'm really excited to share this week. I love that question, Sarah, where are we looking? Um, I, I, I read a couple of commentaries about this passage uh, prior to, to us tuning in together. And I think that's really important is, are our eyes turned exclusively up to heaven? Are we just awaiting our own ascension, our own reunification with Jesus and our loved ones. Uh, but these two guys in white come up and say, hey, what are you looking at? Like, he gave you your marching orders. He'll come back the same way he came. But he gave you your marching orders. Go be witnesses. So don't be looking up. Be looking out, right? And, and, and to me, witnessing to Christ, witnessing to the love of Christ, 
is about witnessing in word and deed. And it means that we're building God's kingdom here on earth. So rather than looking up and just awaiting for a heavenly thing, no, 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 no. This is about kingdom building work on earth. And I want to read a passage in one of these commentaries because it really, really resonated with me about that. So um, it says, this is both an ethical charge and an ecclesial charter. Ethically, believers are commissioned to go throughout the world to tend to earthly matters by creating societies reflective of God's liberation from the ravages of hunger, the indignities of social hierarchies, the injustices of tyranny. Ecclesially, which means like the church, the church is responsible for expanding God's kingdom with the words and actions of Jesus. Consequently, they're laying a counterclaim to any force that subordinates people for material gain and restricts access to resources that provide for human flourishing. I just love that. I thought it was so well worded that I wanted to share that, but it's exact. It ties right into your question of where are they looking, right? Cause we're called Jesus's last words to us are go be witnesses. Don't stand here and look up, go out and be the love and light of Christ in the world uh, and work towards freedom and justice and peace and all these values that Jesus demonstrated for us in the three years of ministry that he had on earth before his crucifixion resurrection and ascension. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I love it. I really do. Um, the other thing I was thinking about with acts is, um, the very Jesus-y way when, um, the apostles are like, he says, you know, go wait for the Holy spirit. And the apostles kind of take that to mean that the kingdom is coming. They're like, Oh, like now. And Jesus goes, Nope. Bye. He, you know, uh, which is a very, very, um, in holding with how we understand Jesus as someone who speaks in ways that we don't understand at the time, but become present, become understandable. Um, and I, I looked at the message, which is another, um, translation of the Bible. That's a little bit more, um, contemporary in its language. It's Eugene Peterson, who is a Presbyterian, um, scholar. Um, but that passage when they say, um, it's, it's seven and eight when they say, um, you know, oh, is it, is it the time? And uh, Jesus, what Jesus says in the message version is, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. Yep. Um, which at the time, I can always imagine them kind of being like, a what? A who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a refocusing. It's getting the disciples to once again refocus to here and now, right? Mm -hmm. you, you don't get to just sit around and wait for, for God's kingdom to come. You're here, you're now, go be my witnesses, right? It's a refocusing away from an eternal, away from us sitting around and waiting and saying, you don't, you don't get to know the time. You've got a job to do. I've given you a charge. Go out and do it. And, and it may come in your lifetime and it may not come for 2000 years. Uh, and that doesn't matter because you've been given a job. Go be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Um, and that's the, the Judea, Samaria and the ends of earth. I often riff on that when I preach on this passage because uh, it talks about, it's like a local context, a regional context and a global context. And so our call to mission, our call to be witnesses to Christ's love in word and deed is, is a local call it's a regional or national call and it's a worldwide call. And each of us will find our own way within that. I remember when you were uh, interviewing for the YAV program, trying to figure out if you wanted to do an international placement or a national placement, 
And um, the Presbyterian YAV program is kind of like Presbyterian uh, AmeriCorps or Peace Corps, right? Um, and and young adults like Sarah have to discern, is God calling me to serve overseas or is God calling me to serve in my own backyard? And um, the answer is yes. God is calling us to serve everywhere. Um, each of us will have a particular call. And, and so my call has taken me to do a lot of work in Central and South America. But right now my call is right here in Central Nebraska. Uh, and I'm where God has placed me and I'm living out the call to be a witness uh, in that sense. And each of us wherever God places us are called to be witnesses. Yeah. And you got to witness in DC for a year or almost a year. Um, yeah, I'm still a Yav. Like I still am working remotely for the church, but um, everything is very up in the air about how we'll go through July. Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll be headed out to Louisville, Kentucky for three years of study to continue <laughs> to discern your call. And we'll see where that leads. Oh man. Yeah. It's so funny because I am someone who is very comforted by the idea of having purpose. You know, I, I like it's, it's come like that's something I really take great comfort in is knowing that there is a path and I'm going to find it and it's going to be what it needs to be. Um, but I also am not comforted by the fact that that is always a discerning process. Right. I don't think even though this process of getting to seminary and saying, oh, this is a like this feels really, really right still has so many open-ended questions about what that's going to look like. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's an interesting kind of paradox of being comforted in a way, but also knowing that way is always going to change. Absolutely. Or yeah. always can change. And it is, it is a lifelong discernment process. Where is God calling me now at this particular point in my life? Yeah. Um, and, and for some people, the, the call to God is to pick up their phone and to reach out to people who may be lonely. And that is just as valuable a call as somebody who follows a call to go serve God overseas in a third world country or whatever. Um, each of us, though, need to be attuned to the, the Holy Spirit nudging us as to where we're being nudged. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's, again, a lifelong discernment process. So um, when, we, uh, when Sarah and I were getting ready she, uh, and she's getting ready to preach, she said, I, I use this old Bible of mine. And uh, she showed me uh, the inside of the Bible. Can you show the folks that, Sarah? Um, this is my HarperCollins Study Bible. Um, it's an NRSV translation um, in DC. So you live in you live with the other Yavs, um, and I I just turned twenty eight. Most Yavs are from twenty two to twenty four. So they think it's hilarious that I carry this everywhere because they use their phones. Like they don't like like. And we also have a million Bibles in the. Um, in the house in our library. We have a really neat library there. Um, but so they think it's funny that I haul this everywhere whenever I need a Bible. Um, but one, I really like physical books, but also um, I received this in, and it has a date on it, May 6th, 2007. Um, people who are watching this on YouTube might notice that signature by its lack of uh, legibility is Reverend Bill Nottage Tacey. <laughs> Um, and then our confirmation teachers in 2007 at First Presbyterian Church, Elaine Specht and John Curtis, uh, the former associate minister, um, have all written in it because it was my confirmation Bible. Um, and yeah, it, 
I started using it because it's just the only Bible I had around, like I could always find, but I really, really like it as a, as a version. I like the notes and the, um, some of the, the writings about the books beforehand. I've, I found it really helpful, but also very comforting. Um, and I hauled it to DC and I brought it back and it's going with me to Louisville. And one of the things that I love about that is the fact that you're carrying this cloud of witnesses with you. Um, and that's, that's another beautiful part about this story is that the apostles are not alone, right? They, uh, they're in community and they're supporting one another. And um, the very, very last part of the passage that Sarah read from Acts talks about them. After this ascension experience, they go back uh, to Jerusalem and they're gathered in a room and it lists some of the people who were there. Uh, and you have this beautiful, diverse community that includes women who wouldn't often have been mentioned in a first century Palestine context. And yet the Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, thought it was important enough to acknowledge that part of this new forming community of church includes these women. Uh, and so it's great that you've got this, this cloud of witnesses that surrounds you and, and walks with you and, and knowing that all of us have that. And that's the beauty of what it means to be the church, the body of Christ. Um, and we're lamenting not being able to meet together physically in person to have fellowship, but that cloud of witnesses still surrounds us, uh, both the living and the dead, uh, who are with us and are part of our own call to figure out how the Holy Spirit is calling us to be witnesses to the love of Christ, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Cool. Well, Sarah, I am very much looking forward to hearing what you have to say about this text uh, and preaching on it this Sunday. I hope everyone who's listening uh, takes the time to uh, tune in to our worship service on Sunday at 1030. Uh, we stream live through Facebook Live, and we hope you can join us and hear what Sarah has to say. Thank you so much for this invitation. and Thanks for letting me do one of these as well. It's a great time. Absolutely. So I'm going to close this with a word of prayer, and then we'll sign off. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, we read this funny story in the book of Acts 1 of Jesus' ascension. And you've reminded us to focus on those last words that he says to his disciples and, and those words echo through the years, 2,000 years later to us, to go and be witnesses in word and deed to the love of Christ, to our local, regional, and global context. May, may you be with each one of us this week as we listen for how the Holy Spirit might be nudging us to be witnesses, might be nudging us to witness to the love of Christ in, in new and different ways or in ways that we've always done it. And whatever that is, Lord, give us the courage to follow through with the call that you've placed on our lives. We thank you as well for Sarah and the courage that she had to follow your call out to DC and the courage that she's had now to follow your call to seminary. Be with her this week as she prepares to, uh, to write and deliver her sermon, Lord, and be with all of our church family. Keep us safe, keep us healthy, and keep us ever open to the call that you've placed on our lives. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. All right. And Damon always signs off by saying, toodaloo. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. Take care. Have a good week.